Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Christopher Cowles back in the studio to tell us the story of how he was called to be a priest. Um, he's always fun. His story is amazing. And it's, I think he had to shorten it, if I remember right. We, co- we recorded it a little while ago, but I believe he had to shorten it for time's sake to get it squeezed into 20 minutes. But we got it in there, and it's a great story. So I hope you'll stick around for that. We have Dr. Chris Bergwald here for a little Biblical Bites with Dr. B first. I do want to point out that Father Collins doesn't misspell his name. Now, it's not his fault, his parents. I struggle uh, so bad trying you, to spell that man's know, last name. Yeah, so I always have to look it up. Sorry, Father. It's an ongoing <laughs> fun little thing between he and I. Um, hi, Renee. Hi. You know what I'm going to ask you, Renee? You're going to ask me. I am going to ask you, even though I know... How you would answer. I think it's maybe the fourth Sunday of Ordinary you Time. You are right. Oh, okay, good. So I, you had said before we start recording that you don't know what time. That, you, yes, you know time we've, yeah, we've had the, we've had some situations at our house, so it's been a little you crazy. Had, yes, and <laughs> yes. I'm a little You're behind. You're even le- more forgetful than normal. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> so I didn't know that was possible. So the first reading, moving on from. Hi, Bill. Piling Hello. on. <laughs> See, Bill's here too. Renee, he is. <laughs> Where's the Where's the first reading from for Mass, Bill? Do you know? Remember? Uh, it's Thursday. Have you Jeremiah? Done? Ding he's, ding ding. He's done TV Mass. Wow. Already. Yeah, but he's still he's done it. But it's like it's I mean, you can do it. But it more than ten seconds it lasted in his head. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the the gospel is about when Jesus goes into Nazareth. It's continuing last week. Um, he gets up and, oh, isn't he great? And then pretty soon they're like, oh, let's stone him. Like, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> Sounds like the Old Testament. Jeremiah. The, yeah. That's the, that's the gospel, though. So, oh. Yeah, the gospels, that's in the New Testament. Right, but isn't he talking what? about an Old Testament thing? No. Okay, never mind. No, oh, yeah. 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 As a, yes, he does. Yes. Yeah, in your defense. Okay. Okay. I thought you were really out of it. No. Um, and then Jer- so there's always, we've talked before, there's usually a connection between first reading and gospel. Mm-hmm. So Jeremiah talking about how the Lord's going to tell Jeremiah, go basically tell the people what they need to hear, um, be bold, et cetera, et cetera. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you for I'm, for I am with you to deliver you says the Lord. That's what he says to Jeremiah at the end of the first reading. So you can see the connection with mm-hmm. the gospel. Like Jesus is boldly proclaiming the truth even when people don't want to hear it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Oh, okay. The you, word said, of the Lord, you said I was going to like what we're talking about, so I'm very interested The here. word of, this is Jeremiah from the first reading. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. But do gird your loins. Stand up and tell them all that I command you. Gird your loins. <laughs> I had a bad feeling he's going here, Bill. <laughs> Is what we're going to talk about today. Wait, wait. Are you going to make us like, because I kind of want to hear like what Bill thinks gird your loins means. It's a family program. What? See? <laughs> I did not go there. Gird your loins. It's throughout scripture, right? What is, the people yep. are thinking, wow, that seems kind of graphic or something. What? I don't know. <laughs> right. Because for, yeah, for a variety of reasons, we, well, because uh, here's why, here's why. Uh, this is why Bill goes in, in Bill's defense. Um, we talk about, you know, in scripture, talk about how offspring are sprung from my loins. And right. da, 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 da. Right. So it's usually associated with, with sex or something like that, but right. that's not actually okay. what's going on here. Okay. So this is, this you gotta is watch good. this on YouTube if you're, <laughs> so you're, the loins are actually the oh, side, no. the Wait, side. Honey. 
Would you like to stand up and demonstrate? No, no. <laughs> the, the loins are the side, uh, the uh, the are uh, sides right below. On your back. No, right oh. below the um, the ribs. Oh. So from the ribs to the top of the pelvis. So the fat part. The side. The, the spare the tire. Handles, yeah. Right? <laughs> For those of us, Bill doesn't have anything. I don't there, think so that he, many people had love handles right, back then. Right, yeah. So right. So th- these are the loins. So gird your loins. Okay. All right. So these are the loins. Okay, but what does it mean to gird my loins? Right. Gird. What what is the gird? It's it's part of a Titan? From girdle. Squeeze. <laughs> That's all I can think about is squeeze. So a girdle or a belt. So gird your okay. loins. All right. So so the context here is back in the day, and still, frankly, in that part of the world, even today, people would wear um uh, tunics, right. right? I mean, that's sort of clothes, like just big, long, loose tunics. Well, if you're going into battle, you can't really, this is where I really wish I could move around. It's hard to run. When, like if you, as a woman, were wearing a really long, flowy dress, it's hard to, you can go well, into battle. Flowy's right? not so bad, but if it's straight, then it's bad. No, where a tunic okay. would more be a little but, straight. But, but the cloth can get caught up in so on. So to gird your sure. loins actually means to, so you put a girdle uh, around your midsection, basically around your waist or above your waist, around your loins, and then you take the fabric of your tunic. And if you girdle, if you if you girdle, <laughs> if you Google, if you Google gird your loins, you can see a demonstration from the Art of Manliness website, which is a great website, by the way. Okay. Um, and they'll show you how to do that without the 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 without the belt. But it means to pull it up so that it's like basically above your tunic your is now shorts. So you can go into battle. It basically <laughs> makes the tunic into shorts so you can go into battle. This is the That's best what it biblical means to bites gird ever. <laughs> your loins. Get ready to do battle at the Lord's will. I love that. Thanks for that, Dr. B. That was awesome. You bet. <laughs> Father Cowles is back in Yay! the studio with me. Yes, we have Father Christopher Cowles here, who is the director. I'm going to get it right this time. The director of the St. Thomas More Newman Center in Vermilion. On the US. At the University campus. of South Dakota campus. Yes, yes. It's a mouthful. I missed that part the last time. It's so. a mouthful. <laughs> it is. Welcome back. Thank you. You very really much. didn't leave. I mean, as we record these, of course, we record them all at one time. <laughs> so you really didn't leave. You're not supposed to but, tell them the oh, secret. We, we removed the veil long oh, you ago. Did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're like, why is he wearing the same clothes exactly. again? Exactly. And I do too. It makes like, no sense. There was it's a like, little while where I would go, I'd be like, no, I have to change because. Would you really? I did. And then I'm like, oh, this is silly. <laughs> She just wears plus, the outfit the plus, same time yes. every week <laughs> right. at that same time. Right. Yeah. And plus, Bill gave me a lot of grief about it. So <laughs> you laugh, though, but most priests, most of us just wear the same thing right, every right. single so day. It doesn't so matter. <laughs> it doesn't make that big of a difference. All right. So uh, we are going to talk to Father Cowles about his call to the priesthood. Um, I have a feeling it will be interesting. I hope. If it's not, then you're going to find a way to make it interesting. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll do my best. All right. So. Will you tell us first a little bit about your family, where you grew up? Excellent. Kind of well, I'm the youngest of five kids, mm-hmm. born and raised in Yankton, South Dakota. Okay. Go Bucks. And uh, <laughs> this would be the same town as Father Andrew Dickinson, yes. who is also a buck to his core, <laughs> and uh, Matt Altoff, who also wanted to oh, do that shout out. Right. Yes. 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 Um, so, youngest of five. Um, from a very early age, I had, well, I, I was deeply fascinated with Legos. But also, I went with my mom to daily mass on a regular basis. Oh, wow. And the reason I went to daily mass is I had two choices growing up. One of them was to ride the bus with um, some kids who I thought smelled bad. I'm not going to say who they were. (laughs) Or, 
And that was also standing outside in the cold in the middle of right, winter. Right. I wasn't walking uphill both no ways. No one liked to wear, but, ride the bus. Yeah, I didn't like riding the bus. No. Or I could ride with my mom and go with her to daily mass. And okay. she was super holy and still is. So she'd bring me to mass. So I grew up going to daily mass and watching the mass take place. So at a very young age, like seven years old, I had thought during my first grade year that I was going to dress up as a priest um, for like vocation day. And it was largely because we had really cool priests mm-hmm. growing up in Yankton. I still remember um, Father Jerry Ronick, who I now live with of all things, <laughs> being our priest at that you time. You just made him feel really old. I'm sorry, Father Ronick. <laughs> well, he, he feels old all the time. It's okay. Um, and a lot of other, these other priests who were just had a profound effect in my mm-hmm. life, whether it be Father Jim Bream, uh, Father Mark Lichter later on, Father John Fisher. All of them I just looked up to so much. Right. And I thought, wow, it'd be cool to be a priest. Right. So I thought about that. And then I had chicken pox the week. So no one found out <laughs> that I was going to dress up as a priest. And number two, right around second grade, I all of a sudden discovered that girls didn't have cooties. And they were actually- <laughs> Second grade? That's I know, early. <laughs> I know. What do you do? <laughs> wow. Um, that's, yeah. Well, I maxed out height-wise sixth grade and sixth grade. <laughs> I think so that happens with guys. It, well, no, no probably it doesn't not. Typically. No, it's usually later. You're it right. It hit really Girls early max out on. at sixth grade. Yeah. I maxed out with the girls. Um, I hit my growth spurt early. So um, I discovered things earlier and that's okay. That's okay. Right. Uh, which meant I didn't want to pursue the priesthood at that point because right. I wanted to hopefully get married and have a big family. The family I usually say is I wanted to have a wife, about 12 kids and then a good job. But God decided to spare that wife, um, that ordeal and make me go into the priesthood. So, so you did you have a plan before you decided to go to seminary? Were you like going to be something else? Yeah, I okay. was set on being an engineer. Oh, okay. Um, so that's where the Lego part comes in. So sure. I loved, loved Legos. I loved building and designing things. Mm-hmm. Um, in Yankton, we had an incredible Science Olympiad team okay. where we would build or design or do chemistry, any number of things. And I love music as well. All that played into that, and I was able to use that science aspect of my background while I was in school. Right. So, um, all that being said, I was set at like sixth grade. That you know, when I maxed out at sixth grade, I decided that I wanted to go to school of mines. My sister had already yep. gone there many, many years before. My husband um, went there. Awesome. My brother went there. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So I went there for mechanical engineering, and then as time went on, I also added a mathematics double major. Okay. So I was a super nerd. Yeah. Um, you were. I was. Wait, I was. what? Maybe you still are. Depends on the day. Okay. (laughs) But most of the time I am. And that was my deepest desire was hopefully to become an engineer and find my wife. Now, got to be honest, it's difficult looking for a wife on the School of Mines campus. Yes, it is. Because of the five guy to one lady ratio. (laughs) Um, So- my husband was fortunate he already had me at the time, so it was he Sounds didn't have to fortunate. worry about that. <laughs> yeah, and most girls who go to the School of Mines know like they need to either find a boyfriend ahead of time or be looking for one when they get there because otherwise there's really guys like all nerds. around them. Yes, They're, yes. Yeah. Nerds are good. They Let typically are. Yes. They typically yes. are. So yeah. how did you get your call to the priesthood? Because you obviously you thought about it when you were young. So something happened at School of Mines? Yes, okay. something happened actually in that year at School of Mines. Okay. So before I even got in my dorm room, um, I ran into a priest with my parents at that okay. time, who was Father Brian Christensen, an mm-hmm. awesome yep. priest of the him. Rapid City Diocese. And he was out there wearing his priest clothing, but mm-hmm. also with like a Newman Center shirt over the top of right. it. And he was helping move students in. So he grabbed my mini fridge and sought to carry it to my room, uh, but got lost along the way and went up <laughs> an extra floor and carried it down a whole other hallway and then made his way into my room finally. And I was like, Wow. This priest has got some muscles and he's not afraid to like put in some work. 
Um, so he earned my respect right away. They sure. told me mass times. My mom's like, oh, good. My son knows when the mass <laughs> is. This is great. Um, and it was like six blocks away. Right. Um, so the Newman Center at that time was a yeah. garage that had been converted to a chapel. Yes, yes. And um, a house. Okay, what year was this? Because I wonder if we- This I was in 2003. Oh, we had already moved away out of Rapid City. I lived in Rapid City until 2002. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you got- out of the way so that I could come in. Yes. That's good. My husband got out of the way so okay. you could come in. Yeah. Because he was at yeah, at school of mines at the time. Yeah. Very interesting. Just missed so, you. Dang it. <laughs> there you go. So but, um, started to going to the Newman, Newman Center. Center. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, I got to be honest, I had mixed motives. Okay. So I went to the Newman Center because they said that they had free food. So that's a big thing in college, mm-hmm. college life, free food. Right. Um, I, I know that to the core. And then the other one was... What a better place to look for your hopefully future wife mm-hmm. than in a place where there's people who are practicing their faith and going to the Newman Center and things like that. So I kind of went there looking for food and for a spouse. Um, <laughs> that and is I not a bad plan. Surprisingly did find food and a spouse <laughs> at the Newman Center, but not the one I expected. Not at all. <laughs> um, so started going there, um, gained a lot of respect for the priestry in that time, went on a fall retreat. And the fall retreat was focused on listening to the voice of God mm-hmm. in the midst of scriptures. So we were praying, doing Lexa Divina, and it was awesome. We went off into the Black Hills, had a retreat. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Um, had a really profound confession during that time and really began to get more and more involved in praise and worship music and prayer. And then as we were coming back, like I noticed that last step, which was called um, contemplatio or contemplation, okay. was like when you listen and really seek to listen to the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear God speak. And I was like, God, say something to me. And please speak with me and say something. And then finally, at the very end, I asked a question that is profound and deep. And I didn't think I would get a response to. And is, God, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? And I'm sitting in chapel. Um, and as the priest is raising up the host during the mass, I hear the Lord say, I want you to go to seminary. Any idea what my response was? Probably the same as a lot of priests. Uh, no way. <laughs> no. And then I started to cry because there was a girl right next to me from Black Hill State that I had a huge crush oh, on no. and thought, maybe this could work out. <laughs> um, it didn't. Um, it didn't. Um, I was a nerd and socially awkward <laughs> and many other things. So that didn't go the way I planned. But I was I struggled for the longest time mm-hmm. because I felt like the Lord was going calling me to go to seminary. Not necessarily priesthood, but at least to discern a call. Right. So I was discerning in that time um, and just kind of put it on the back burner, mm-hmm. continue to go to adoration, continue to pray. And then that January, we got the chance to go to a focus conference. Okay. So this is in like the fourth or fifth year focus. They had a big conference in Denver. This is before Seek oh, yeah. or SLS yeah. started. And in that conference, just had a profound um, experience of God. Um, that year was the year that the Passion of the Christ came out. So oh, we had yes. a preview screening of it. Oh, wow. Um, and then Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus, mm-hmm. this was the very first time he gave a keynote address and spoke of his personal experience of playing Jesus, oh, wow. which was really profound. Mm-hmm. I remember during that conference, I made a personal promise that I was going to pray rosary every single day during the course of Lent, and that I was going to really try to overcome sinful behaviors in my life and mm-hmm. really put the Lord first. And it was amazing. Like I really began to grow in a profound way. So as time went on, that same priest, Father Brian, pulled me aside and said, Chris, um, why aren't you thinking about becoming a priest? <laughs> and I came up with all like, my regular excuses. <laughs> uh, the first one was pretty straightforward. It was, 
well, I thought that if I go to seminary, there's gonna be people waiting inside the door to basically lock it and padlock me to a bed and make sure I don't leave until I become a priest. (laughs) And he's like, no, that's not how it works. If you're called to be a priest when you go there, awesome. If you're not, you're gonna come out a better man, Mm -hmm. a better Christian, and hopefully a better father and husband. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So you're saying I'm gonna be more available and like the ladies will like me more? (laughs) No, that's what I was thinking. I didn't say it out loud, but that's what I was thinking. the right ladies. Yeah, yes. the right ladies. Um, the second one was, oh, this is like a year or two years of my mm-hmm. life. My time's valuable, Father. Don't you understand that? It's like the Lord gave you your whole life, right? Whole life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't give him a year or two? Right. Well, I give him every Sunday. Way. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one was, I didn't feel worthy. Oh, that sure. was the biggest thing. I didn't feel worthy to become a priest. Mm-hmm. Every priest that I encountered up to that time was just so amazing and awesome. And I thought, I can't be who they are. Mm-hmm. They have such a gift and they're holy. I'm I'm still a nerd who plays with Legos when I get the chance. <laughs> you know, I'm not that and watches cartoons and right. a number of things. Um, but he says, you know what? And this this was a phrase I think that was inspired by him. He had said, had I been a married man and had a family, I would trust you to be the pastor of my family. Oh, wow. And I thought, no one's ever trusted me that much. Mm -hmm. And because I'd grown so much in respect for him, realized that he had actually been a bomber pilot for the Air Mm -hmm. Force for years, all this other stuff, I was like, I should really think about this. Right. So I dragged my feet during the summer, but the Lord still worked it out. He got my applications in. I got accepted to the seminary. I went through the psychological evaluation. They didn't say I was crazy. (laughs) They let me in, all that stuff. And I get to seminary. Now, seminary was good, mm-hmm. but it was hard. It yeah. was hard yeah. in a number of ways. Like I said, I was a socially awkward nerd. Mm-hmm. And they pointed that out to me at one point in time. <laughs> um, and is possibly, no, nah, it was somewhat charitable. But think of it this way. So the goal of seminary is to make you into the image of Jesus. Right. And in making you into the image of Jesus, typically people use like a chisel and break okay. off little chunks of the marble as they're molding you and fashioning you into the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, my formator, the priest in charge of me, decided to use a sledgehammer because he thought it would move along quicker, I think. Um, that didn't work? <laughs> it did in the long run, but it hurt a lot yes. at the very beginning. Yeah. We went for a walk one day and he was like, um, so Christopher, um, I've been talking with the rector and he thinks that we should talk about some stuff. You know, you're kind of awkward and you need to lose some weight. And <laughs> wow. it was like this laundry list of things that I need to work on. And I didn't understand why he was saying it. And what his goal was, I didn't really understand his mission. So up to that point, I just thought, he's picking on me. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And mm-hmm. I'd call home and tell my dad about this. And he'd be like, oh, if I was you, I'd just leave. I was like, thanks, dad. <laughs> I really appreciate Helpful. that <laughs> strong fatherly support right now. Right. Um, but I'd talk with my spiritual director, Father Ken Lolf, and he'd say, just keep pushing. Just keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. Um Funny enough, years later, Father Ken told me, it was like, you were the one who I least expected to become a priest (laughs) of the ones I directed. And that comes up from time to time. I bet it um, does. In which I'm like, "Mm, see, the Lord can do a lot with very little. He is amazing in his abilities. He is. He is. So um, I pushed through and began to really accept, like, I needed to grow in these areas. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple of summers on totus tuus that aided me to leap or to grow in leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, to begin to realize, like, I love teaching. I mm-hmm. love spending time with kids. I loved youth ministry. And I loved sharing the gospel with others. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I could work with people. I had to work on some things, but I began right. to work on them intensively and very in a very focused way. 
So my second year of seminary was just kind of receiving the formation that people wanted to give me. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, just stay the course. You might not yet be called to be a priest, but just continue to receive what they want to give you. Mm-hmm. So my third semester or my third year, this would be my senior year of college, I got the chance to do a study abroad semester. Ooh. And so we went to Rome, which nice. was awesome, and um, visited Spain, did part of the Camino of Santiago de Compostela, mm-hmm. uh, went to Ireland for a little bit. But it was not so much the city as it was just the environment of Catholic studies at that time mm-hmm. through the St. Thomas, University of St. Thomas campus. So we had men and women who were there, all of us seeking to find what God desired for us. Right. All of us and sincerely open to the will of God, praying on a regular basis, having deep conversations, going on trips, all this sort of stuff. And the professor we had at that time, uh, Dr. Naughton, was doing a course on vocations. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that class, we really began to discover that there were so many ways that the lay vocation could be expressed, but also the mm-hmm. priestly vocation. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that time, it overcame that final impediment, that final thing that was blocking me to becoming a priest, which was, I'll become a priest, but I'm going to be a miserable priest. Um, and that idea was because I thought that I had to give up everything. Oh, right. I couldn't have a yeah. wife. I couldn't have kids. I couldn't have a normal job. All these things that I dreamed of for years and letting go of those was like, yeah, I'm willing to be do this noble sacrifice for the good of others, but I didn't see myself as being happy mm-hmm. in that life. Um, but they began to reveal in this class, like, if this is what God is calling you to, this is where you're going to find the most happiness. Mm-hmm. And what I began to do is shift my perspective, not focusing on the sacrifices, but on the gifts that I would receive. Right. And that's when everything changed. That's so huge. In that moment, I was like, no, I don't get to get married, which is a real sacrifice mm-hmm. because I desire to share my life in this way. Mm-hmm. But um, I will give myself completely to the church, which is also a gift. Mm-hmm. The second one, no, I won't have one or two or three or four or 12 as I desired kids. Right. I'll have hundreds or thousands of them. I'll play with them, yes. <laughs> enjoy their presence, and then hand them back to their parents. <laughs> Hopefully not after riling them up. Um, oh, which come on. <laughs> I've learned. No, I've learned over the years not to do good, that. Good, good. <laughs> Especially in classrooms at Catholic schools. No teacher despises you as much as when you walk in, rile them up, like, and just leave them that way. Comes Father Cowles. Oh, oh, no. no. So I've learned. <laughs> um, and then the last one was, you don't have a normal job. Mm-hmm. You really have a supernatural job. Yeah. I mean, there are moments when I'm holding the the Eucharist in my hands and realized just a second ago, this was a piece of bread. Mm -hmm. And now because of God's power working through me, it has become Jesus himself. Right. I'm holding the center of the universe. Yeah. Um, I remember the first confession I heard Mm -hmm. after becoming a priest. I don't know if the person who was receiving confession or I were crying more (laughs) in that moment because I realized God just redeemed this soul through me. Right. This person just received this. And um, the other experience is when I was at Our Lady of Guadalupe um, for the ah, course of the six and a yes, half years. Yes. Because of who I was as a priest, I was invited so many times into people's mm-hmm. lives. They just welcomed me as a member of their family. And I'd be in their home and enjoying food and spending time with them and say, how is it that I'm worthy of this? Right. This is such an incredible gift. And in those moments, I just receive it mm-hmm. and say, thank you, Jesus, yep. for this. And thank you for the holiness and the goodness of these people who loved me so well. Yeah. Um, so as time went on, so my resolution after that fourth year was, if they don't kick me out of seminary, I'll become a priest. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because every vocation is dual discernment. It's the discernment on the part of the person, but also on the part of the church. Right. The church has to decide whether or not you're called to this vocation. Yes. 
And there are many times that even in those four years, I doubted, but I stuck to my guns. And there was one point actually in my diaconate year where I really, or my before I was going to be ordained to the diaconate, that I really wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. I was going through depression and I was dealing with some major issues in my life. And I thought, I'm the last person who should be here. Mm-hmm. And it was in that time, my bishop, Bishop Paul Swain, mm-hmm. and then also now Bishop um, Andrew Cousins, yes. um, who was my spiritual, or my formator at that time, said, no, this is an attack of the evil one. Stay the course. Yep. Um, so I entered into the priesthood at, at, from there mm-hmm. um, because they're like, there is so much good that you're going to do. Even yeah. if you don't believe it, yep. there's so much good that you're going to be able to do. Yeah. And I had to trust that in that moment. Now, have I flubbed? Have I made mistakes? Oh, oh of course I <laughs> You're have. You're still human. <laughs> yes. And I <laughs> seek to apologize regularly for those mistakes right. that I make. Right. But um, I'm also so incredibly grateful for the priesthood. Yeah. And it's moments like these when I get to share that story yes. that reminds me of like why I did it in the first place mm-hmm. and how the Lord is still calling me to that. Yeah. What a great story. You make, um, like I, I, I hope all priests feel that joy that you obviously feel from becoming a priest because I think that's huge. If you don't, I, I, I don't know how you get through. I mean, uh, lots of people hate their jobs, but I don't want a priest to hate his job. <laughs> no, no. And it, <laughs> the all. thing is, if you don't if you don't see it as a vocation, yeah, it's very different. But the same thing is true of how many marriages. Yeah, that's very true. How many true. marriages lose that joy over time because they, right. they stop choosing to love the person right. that they're with. Right. And when that love is no longer there, it's very hard to yeah. continue that on. Yeah. Um, but thanks be to God, the Lord chose me. Yeah. And surprisingly, I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Okay, so we only have about a minute. Will you tell us what is the best thing your parishioners, the right now, the college students that you serve, what can they do for you? What's the best thing that they can do to help you be a good priest? That is an awesome question. Um, one of them is obviously pray for us. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. token answer that yep. you get to everything, yep. pray for us. <laughs> um, but to encourage me or encourage priests when you see them doing well, mm-hmm. and when you don't see them doing well, when you see them struggling, to really ask and to see how you can help them. how you can be present to them. Because we often ask the question of how are you, Mm -hmm. but without the sincerity of heart. Um, Now, not every priest is going to want to share where he's at, and that's okay. You don't have to press him and push him. But for some priests, they need to have someone who is really willing to care about them and Mm -hmm. listen to them. Because there have been times when I've struggled and I've said to people, like, this is what I'm struggling with. And they're like, oh, Father, we forget you're human. Right. We forget you're right. real. Yep. We're so sorry that you're going through that. Yeah. Know that this is a momentary setback. Don't give in to the discouragement and keep focused right. because you're still doing so well. Yeah. Those people who said that to me usually said it right at the right moment. Right. When I needed it most. Right. That's great advice. I think it's so important for us to support our priests because you guys have big jobs yeah. and a lot on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So um, every time now the these two interviews with you, we run out of time and I wish we had like 10 more minutes, but we don't. <laughs> That's so. good for the sake of the people listening. No, they no might say, I totally oh. disagree. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with me and telling us your story. It was really great. Very glad to. Thanks a lot, Father Cowles. All right. If you haven't found us on social media yet, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube at SF Diocese. Uh, all of our uh Uh, radio shows, anything you hear on audio is also on video at YouTube. So come find us anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.